and welcome back to The Haunting Podcast. I'm your host, Tegan. And I'm Jordan. So today we're going to do things just a little bit differently. Normally we have multiple stories, but this particular story I was able to get a lot of information on, so much information that I was definitely not able to put it in this entire show. Uh, But it was a lot of fun researching it. I really hope you guys enjoy it. It is on the SS Eastland disaster, which happened in Chicago. So I really hope you enjoy this one. Yeah, hometown story here. It was really fun to research. I got quite into it. Oh, yeah. I like the documentaries and what we read. It was cool. Oh, yeah. The documentary we watched was really interesting. Mm -hmm. So here we go. The SS Eastland Disaster. July 24th, 1915 was supposed to be a day of fun for the workers of the Western Electric Company, their families, and others in the community who had bought tickets to the Western Electric Company's annual picnic. The day of fun, celebration, friendship, and togetherness quickly turned dark before the first steamboat of the day could even pull away from the dock. The SS Eastland was one of five in a fleet that was hired to take passengers to and from the picnic. Docked at the Clark Street Bridge, it was scheduled to be the first ship to leave, as it had been late the year before. The dock was already full of excited and eager passengers hoping to get the first boat to the picnic. This picnic, by the way, was a very big thing. Like, I was doing my research on it, and, you know, company picnics back in this time were, like, an entire fair. Yeah, like like a quarter of the town affair. Yeah, they, it wasn't just for the company. It was for, like, company. It was for the company workers. It was for their families, friends of the families, and then they would sell, like, tickets to the community right. to participate in them. They were, like, these absolutely huge events. Right. So what the Western company's idea was that they would have it in this really beautiful scenic area that was across from, it was in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And so they hired this fleet of steamboats to take these people as like an added thing, you know, to make it really fun, take these steamboats out, spend a day having this like amazing like fair picnic and then take the steamboat back. Like it's a whole experience. And most of these workers... This was it. Yeah, this was like Christmas. Yes, this was their vacation. You're right. You know, they didn't get to take vacations, and this this was their time. So it was an absolutely huge deal. Some of these people had been sitting out waiting in line since 4.30 in the morning. Jesus. It was crazy, and I believe they started loading at about 6 or 6.30. As they started to load the passengers, the Eastlander started to like... Yes, started to tip starboard and just kind of rock back and forth a little bit. So they um, did whatever they needed to do to correct it. They like, I believe it was that they filled two more tanks that were in the bottom of the boat up to stable. To correct uh, correct the uh, ship. Yeah, to correct the ship. So they, they filled it up with water to kind of balance it out. Now this ship in the past had been known like just known for how clumsy it was. Yeah, there was a flaw in its design which made it uh, lean. <clears throat> and th- there was several flaws in its design. It was like it was too short. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was too heavy. It was too heavy. The 
tanks were too big. Like the water tanks that they used to stabilize it yeah, it too were big, too so big. When they so, fill it with water, it would like slush around. Yeah, and that would like make it tip too. And it had been known to tip up to like 10, 15 degrees while out at sea. And from the time that it had been, you know, made and put out to, or I shouldn't say sea because this is Lake Michigan. Mm. This is Lake Michigan. When it was uh, time to be put out into Lake Michigan and it was doing all these rocking, it was also very slow. So at the time, but they were able to make corrections to at least keep it going and also to speed it up. By this time, it was actually known as the speed queen of the of Michigan. Yeah, it could go up to like 23 miles per hour. Yeah, something like that. It was, it was pretty fast for that time, but it just had that stabilization problem. And at the time as well, there were new laws in place. To, this was like shortly after the Titanic. So yes. there were new laws in place that met, that made uh, made it illegal to not have enough boats for your passengers, which I found out was actually uh, in debate with a lot of people because the amount of lifeboats that you needed on these ships to hold the amount of passengers that they had made the ship too top heavy mm-hmm. in a lot of situations. That's a lot of boats. The I think the Eastland... Uh, had like a capacity of like nearly 3,000 people. That's a lot of boats. It was 2,500. So when it first started, it was 3,000 people. Okay. And then uh, they cut it down to 2,500 and they blocked off the very top deck because there had been an incident where passengers were on it and it had tipped pretty like far. It's still a lot of boats to cover. Yeah, exactly. And uh, during this time, there was actually a lot of financial issues going on with the Eastland because, <laughs> I mean, everything that was stated before, nobody wanted to hire these people. I wouldn't want to hire to, these people. I, no, not with the incidents. No. Also, this, the ship was getting pretty old. It was like, what, 15, 10 years old by the time? Yeah, something like that. And it, and it had gone through so many reservations. Retrofits? It, yeah, it had gone through so many retrofits and like, you know, things to do to try to make it safer and and all these other things. So they were kind of going into like financial ruin. They really needed the money. So they were going to be the first boats to dock and take on passengers. And they wanted to know how they could legally increase the number of people that they could have on the boat. So what they had to do was add more lifeboats. So you already have a ship that has a tendency mm-hmm. to tip that has a few design flaws that just already makes it really bad. And then you add more weight. So as people are loading on and the boat starts to rock, nobody's freaking out yet. A, they, they got it stabilized after a few minutes. And this boat is known for being the clumsy ship. So more people load on and uh, people are, you know, starting to kind of file in everywhere. They're they're up on the dock. They are... They're excited. They're waving to their friends yeah. out the dock. They're just like, we made it. We're going to the Yeah, they're, they're on the lower parts of the dock exploring, you know, families are there with their children, just kind of playing. So, you know, it was all just a very energetic environment. Um, and once, you know, once you got onto the boat, but outside the boat, there was still a crowd of people that are just eager to get in and just, you know, they're continuing to load these people on and load these people on. And as they load these people on, 
the boat kind of starts to rock every once in a while and people are just laughing about it. Like, oh, look, it's rocking to starboard. Like, and, you know, there was a couple of times they had to, to fix it. Like, they would empty the water from the tanks a little bit and then they would fill the water from the tanks for a little bit. They're just trying so hard to correct it. <laughs> they were trying so hard to correct it. And the captain, Captain Harry Peterson, he just wasn't concerned at all. And he just kept loading people on and loading people on. It got to the point where they were past capacity. But there's also no real way to tell exactly how many people were on there. Like there's no true number. I, I ran across a couple numbers, but most said that it was over capacity. It was over capacity, and from what I remember, the the Eastland was doing like an all day, all day cruise tour, and so they had like overstocked on the coal. Yeah, they had. They were going to be going back and forth doing these pickup and drop offs mm-hmm. all day long. So they had anticipated no breaks, filled it up. So now you have the added weight of the lifeboats, you have the added weight of the coal, and you know the coal's not dispersed through the ship. Yeah, it's near the boilers on one side. On one side, making that particular area heavier. Eventually, it gets to the point where the ship has actually tipped so far that people are starting to slide on the docks. Imagine. And it's like raining, too. It is. It's raining. So it's it's slick and like, you know, you can't really get too much of a grip. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. So they start to slide. And that's when panic starts to set in. Me. <laughs> you worry? Me. You know, people who can make it to the upper decks are going up to the upper decks. Because the worst place to be when a ship sinks is inside the ship. There was one family, though. I cannot remember the name of the family. But there was one family who had been boaters their entire lives and they were like, hmm, something's not right here. <laughs> this isn't great. This family went down to the lower decks and they ended up surviving. They like went to their room and they were rescued later through their room because everybody had known to swim. That it, it just gets to the point where it can no longer stabilize itself and it tips over. And only then, as it's about to tip over, as it's too late to evacuate, does the captain trigger the alarm? In fact, he was so unconcerned with the f- the way the ship was tipping that he started to pull away from the dock where he was. Yeah, the engines on standby and everything. He was ready to he go. He was ready to go. And his crew was telling him, hey, maybe you shouldn't do this. You might want to evacuate. And not he was like, no, 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 it was good. Not only them, but the Port Authority were like, we're not lifting this bridge for you, dude. Look at your ship. And he's just like, it's fine. We'll just keep going. And, you know, where he was docked was essentially at the time, the center of the city. Right. It was on Clark Street. The old building um, that stood there when this happened is still there. Yeah, the... uh vegetation place a lot of people were able to because it slowly tipped because of the way it tipped a lot of people were able to kind of like climb over and just kind of get to like the side now the top of the ship Mm -hmm. but you know unfortunately a lot of people were not able to 
and they were drug into the water, whether it would be that they just weren't able to get a grip on anything and they slid into the water from the upper deck, or if it was, if the, any of them were in the lower decks, you know, that's like, that's, 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 that's a death sentence. Yeah. You're, you're, you're trapped. You're trapped. It was terrible. There was screaming going around, screaming from people that are still on the dock, children just crying, women screaming and crying. Women, you know, at the time wore dresses and wore corsets, all, all those things. When they went into the water, their dresses engulfed them in the water. So they were weighed down by it. But I don't know if you've ever seen a woman jump into the water with like a wedding dress or something on. If you jump straight down, the dress actually goes up and around you. Ugh. So you're drowning and suffocating in your own clothing. Right. A lot of these women were carrying children. There was a lot of teenagers on there. There were there were men who had been on there who were in the water. There was everybody was just there. It, it was chaotic, screaming, crying, yelling. Rescue attempts were immediate. Thank goodness. I mean, they're in a good yeah, spot. Yeah, they were for in it. a good spot for it. They they you know, they they were there. They were just like, "Hey, we're here. <laughs> let's let's do this." They they tried to rescue as many people as they could, but as time went on, the rescue mis- mission turned into a body recovery. In the end, it was 844 passengers including 22 whole families that were lost. There were so many bodies that the Moors couldn't handle them. They just couldn't take them in. So what was happening is these bodies would be covered up with cloths and then brought into the building that we had been talking about earlier, the Reed Murdoch building. So they'd they'd cover them up and they'd put them in the Murdoch building and they were trying to figure out what to do with them at that point. They would send them off to morgues as many as they could. Uh, Eventually, the 2nd Regiment Armory gave permission for them to use their facilities as a temporary morgue. So a temporary morgue was then set up at the 2nd Regiment Armory. That armory, by the way, would later become the studio Harpo, which is Oprah Winfrey studio where she would film all of her like TV shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, but, so That's what they cool. would, it would, yeah, it is pretty cool. So, but what they would do is these bodies would be temp- temporarily stored at the Mordock building and a bunch of like, you, you know, cars, ambulance, wh- whoever they could get to transport bodies would then come take the bodies and take them to the armory where then survivors, were being identified to make it easier to then identify the bodies. So the bodies are being identified in this area. So needless to say, this was just an absolutely terrible time. A disaster. A disaster. Uh, it's called the Titanic of Lake Michigan. It's, you know, just, it's very sad. So to this day, there are residents, you know, there, are, there are a bunch of shops down the river, the river walk right Mm -hmm. and there's a bunch of shops where this happened this is now to today it's part of the river walk through downtown chicago and there's a bunch of shops on 
the other side of the Murdoch building. You can still go and see the Murdoch building to this day. And a lot of residents and people who eat at those restaurants and go to those shops will report seeing ghostly faces or like ghostly arms reaching out of the water like they're still trying to get out. Oh my God, no. That would, no. I, no, check please. Check please. I know I wouldn't, I would really, really would not want that. I would not want to see that. I don't want that kind of energy. I just don't need it. There have actually been police reports from people who have been like at a restaurant eating or something and have seen what they thought was a drowning victim like going down the river. Mm. And there's no such body that's ever found. Nothing's ever there. It's this whole thing. It's terrible because now I'm wet. (laughs) What? Because now I'm wet. I I tried to save them and now there's no body. Oh, like you'd be going in there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you would. Um, I would suggest that you don't do that. So the Murdoch building, which was the first stop for, for the bodies, was also, like, after that, used as medical offices, and it's also said to be haunted by the victims of the SS Eastland. And they'll see shadow figures. So it, it mostly comes from night staff, from what I've heard, but they'll see shadow figures kind of walking around they'll see lights flickering on and off they'll hear uh, there's a second floor they'll hear noises coming from that second floor and then the thing that would get me because this is the stuff that makes me jump i can watch so many horror films and be okay until this happens a door creaks open and slams shut <laughs> makes me jump every time it's usually like the first thing they do in horror movies it's it you know and it, it like i will know it's coming i will know that it is coming but every time i will still just jump mm-hmm. but as we know the murdoch building that wasn't even the main one that was not the main makeshift morgue the main one was the armory, which after it was uh, taken over and made into Oprah's studio, a lot of Oprah's staff and Oprah herself have claimed to have had a bunch of different experiences there. So they'll hear the sounds of like children running, running up and down and playing in the building's hallways. There's a bathroom that supposedly on one site that I read remains locked where they would hear the sobbing of a woman just coming from the bathroom frequently, frequently in the evening. The night watch will hear crashing, which again, get me every time, but could never find a source for the sound. Even the security cameras in the studio caught something. There's reports of a woman in gray just kind of walking around. A woman in gray? A woman in gray just like walking around. So, I mean, it just, it all seems kind of like residual, like little hauntings and things like that. But that was such a tragic, tragic thing that happened. So many children were lost. When I was reading it, um, the numbers, there was one site that had the numbers like broken down And I can't remember it exactly, but it was something like almost 250 of those passengers that had died on the 
on the steamboat were teenagers. That's terrible. And, you know, there's just like, it, it was just, it was a lot. Like, a lot of the fatalities were children and teenagers. Mm-hmm. So it was just a terrible time. But that, my friends, is the story and history of the Eastland. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you have a good, ooky, spooky night. Have a spooky night, folks. Good night. This has been The Haunting Podcast. Do you have an idea for an episode or just want to leave a comment and say hi? Visit our website at thehauntingpodcast.com for this, show notes, and other extras. Thank you for listening and have a good night.